people have been searching for special revelation and for people to tell them what God is like when he has revealed himself already. And there's been kind of an awakening here to, to scripture and to God's revelation of himself in scripture. Instead of having to have, well, modern day prophets in the sense where God is revealing himself still through these people. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Let's get started. Today, we have with us Mark Osborne, who is a pastor at a church plant in the Western Cape in South Africa. We have him here today remotely. He is in South Africa and I am in Pennsylvania, and we are able to have this conversation about what God is doing. So welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you here. So first, could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe starting off with how you were introduced to God and then where you are now. Sure. So um, I grew up in a province called KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. The major city there is Durban, and we were about 20 minutes south of Durban in a place called Amazantoti. And my mom had been looking for a church to go to. Her dad was a pastor, and she was looking for a church that was like her dad's, you know, her, his beliefs. So eventually someone moved into the house behind them and was from a missions organization and they were looking to plant a church uh, in the area. So they invited my mom around. She went in, in this little lounge that they had. They started the church. She was one of the, the charter members there. And from there, I started going to Sunday school. I was about four years old at the time going to Sunday school with Auntie Ruth and midweek she'd have us around and uh, share Bible stories and the gospel with us. Uh, eventually, I remember she had this colored cube, kind of like the the, the wordless book, but this uh, colored cube that she had, and she'd point us to the different colors and explain different aspects of the gospel. And at around six, I thought that I understood it. And I remember being in the back of a car, my mom's car, uh, back in the days when it was safe enough to leave your kid. Now, don't, okay, I know this is being broadcast, but... My mom is a very good mom, (laughs) but in those days, it was fine to leave your child in the backseat and run across the road and get something from the shops. Windows were open and everything was safe. It was fine. And I just remember in that moment, just sensing almost the presence of God and like understanding what, what salvation was in the, in the limited sense that a child can. And just praying the only prayer that I could utter at that time and uh, from then on, I believed that I, I was saved and uh, kind of continued going on to with church with my mom. And I remember being a very radical Christian at school, arguing uh, about evolution and all of those things with my teachers. And in grade seven, uh, I remember having a big argument with my, my teacher about dinosaurs. And I was telling her about how Job had seen a dinosaur. So it wasn't millions of years before people, but 
that lasted until high school when it was no longer popular to be a Christian. And I, in, in order to fit in, I decided that I no longer wanted to, to be a Christian. And so a lot of my friends, now I was also into karate. And so some of my friends or some of the people that I was meeting at school really appealed to me because they were into kind of Eastern philosophy and new age uh, teachings. Uh, and I was very intrigued by the idea or the practice of meditation. So I started going along to there. And I, we used to go to these crazy meditation groups on, I remember it was a Thursday night and We'd be in a, a friend of mine's room. Uh, there'd be incense burning. There was like an altar with a Buddha statue and some crystals and all sorts of really weird stuff and uh, chanting in the background. So, yeah, I, I'd be practicing that uh, for most of my high school career. Uh, I was a vegetarian because eating animals gave you bad karma and I didn't want to come back as a cockroach. So for a while I was, I was into that. And then after school I went on to college and uh, met my wife there, and she was actually Jehovah's Witness. One of the things, even though I wasn't, a, wasn't following Christ at all, my mom still insisted that I went to church with her. And so that was the rule. So my wife at, at that time, she was obviously my girlfriend, um, she would have to come to church with us. But then one day around Easter time, she said, okay, well, it's time for you to come and experience my church and uh, it's very special on this Easter time because everyone around the world preaches the same message and all this kind of stuff. And I was, I went, but I was totally, uh, I was disgusted because of how they had spoken about Christians and the church. So I wrote a letter to them and, um, and I wanted to start meeting with them. And I remember as I was studying their beliefs, I remember sitting in my room with my Bible, now being from the new age belief system, I believed that you had to work a lot in order to earn a better life in the next life. And I remember going to Galatians and being struck by Paul's words, you know, who has bewitched you? If, if he began a good work in the spirit, is he, are you going to complete it in the flesh? And realizing that I had totally, totally missed it and that I duffed it. And at that point, I'm not even sure at this, at this time whether it was, it was my salvation or a rededication. But at that point, I turned my life over to Christ and, and, became, and decided to follow Him with everything that I have. A couple of years later, I felt called to full-time ministry, and I studied and was hired by a church, and that's where we are today. Wow. That is such a cool story to hear, starting with your mom looking for a church and God providing a missionary or a church planter moving yes. right into the house behind her. Exactly. So you lead a church now. What does that look like? So, yeah, I, I'm a pastor and I have one um, guy who's a South African who's on staff. And then we've got uh, two missionaries that are also on staff with us. And then we've got uh, uh, some deacons that help us out. And then, uh, yeah, we serve the, the church. We were a small church, um, but growing. Uh, God is doing, we'll, we'll talk about this in a bit, I suppose. But, you know, God is doing a great work at, at Mountain View, which is the church we're, we're at. Where is Mountain View located? So Mountain View is in a little town called Somerset West. It's about 40 minutes outside of Cape Town, which is the main city here. Um, probably the most beautiful city in the world. I might agree with that. I've been, okay. I've had the privilege of visiting Cape Town, and it is 
breathtaking. Yeah, you've got the <laughs> mountains, you've got the sea, the city is amazingly clean. It's, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. Yes, I would definitely go back. <laughs> so if you have um, some idea of this, maybe generally for our listeners, what is sort of the demographic in South Africa um, with regards to Christianity? So it's a lot of cultural Christianity. In South Africa, you have the Dutch Reformed Church, and a lot of people are born into that and raised in, in that. And I think the stats say about 70% of the country is Christian. But you wouldn't tell by the church attendance, by lifestyle, by uh, even policies with regards to government. And so, yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to tell that 70% of the country is Christian. There's a lot of cultural Christianity where my parents were Christian. I was baptized as a baby and therefore I am a Christian. So if you fill out a form, you tick the box Christian. Uh, then on the other side, there's, there's a, a group called the Zionists here as well, which uh, there were some church planters or missionaries from Zion. It's somewhere in the States, I think. Yeah, my geography, my American geography is terrible, so don't, don't ask me. But they're from a place called Zion, and they came, and there were a lot of converts to Christianity out of that movement. But when they left, a lot of ancestral worship crept into the Zionists as well. So now we've got a, a very um, animistic and mix of Christianity and ancestral worship in that group. So it's a lot of cultural Christianity and a lot of mix between ancestral worship and Christianity. And of course, there's obviously also genuine believers that like don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, so what are you seeing God do in your church and in that community? Well, yeah, it's amazing actually. So we were going along. It was great. We were seeing God, God working, but at the same time, we were missing it because it was veiled in just the day-to-day do the things that you've been doing, see the things you've been seeing, hear the things you've been hearing. And I think we missed a lot of what God was doing. And then, so you know what God is doing. He is, he is allowing the world to go through the coronavirus. And the amazing thing is when, when COVID hit, we had to go online with our church because we weren't allowed to gather. And unfortunately, so did a lot of other people go online. And a lot of really strange teachings were emerging on the internet. A lot to do with, well, just accept Jesus and you'll be protected from COVID. And so knowing that our congregation was exposed to that, I began a series called Twisted Scripture, just going through solid biblical truth, letting people hear God on His terms, Letting, letting them see what God was really doing instead of letting, being told by other people false things that God was doing, which he wasn't really. And through that, many people started coming out of the woodwork from other churches and from other places and saying, listen, we have been involved in this movement and this movement and all sorts of weird teachings. But through this lockdown, we've been exposed to the truth and we are looking for good, solid biblical truth. And so, what we've really seen God do is to draw people closer to the truth of his word as he's revealed himself, not as people present him in, in various false ways. Yeah, there's been many testimonies of that. Are there any specific aspects or characteristics of God that you have seen be particularly evident or that have been sort of central in some of the stories you've been hearing from people? 
That's a that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, so specific stories about what they're seeing or characteristics that God has revealed in this time. Mm-hmm. Well, that God has revealed himself. You know, people have been searching for special revelation and for people to tell them what God is like when he has revealed himself already. And there's been kind of an awakening here to to scripture and to God's revelation of himself in scripture. Instead of having to have well, modern day prophets in the sense where God is revealing himself still through these people. Um, and in, in many, many instances, the portrait of God that they had been presenting would sometimes completely contradict what he had revealed about himself in scripture. So we've, we've seen people taking God's word much more seriously and seeing him for who he really is. And so these were people who were seeking God or who thought they were seeking God, who were, you know, involved in churches, but their teachings had been straying from what God was really saying about himself. Yes. Yeah. There were, there were some people that were coming from a a local church in the area actually. And, but it's, it's a, it's an international church and they, they just came to realize, you know, when your pastor says that God and Allah are the same that there's something up. And so then they started seeking God on his terms and seeking, seeking a church that would, that would just expound his word and, and show and reveal him from his own mouth, basically. Are you able to meet again in person yet? Yes. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're, it, it fluctuates there. They change the numbers from hundred and then it's 50. So we're at 50 at the moment. But we're waiting for an announcement probably next Tuesday from the president. And the numbers here are quite bad. So we're not sure what he's going to do. But there are rumors that we'll go back to a hard lockdown, which would prohibit us from meeting. But we have mixed feelings about that, you know, whether we'd want to go back into that or if we'd try and keep our doors open still. Is that something that you have the option of doing? I'm not sure how restrictive the regulations are in South Africa. No, uh, we wouldn't be. But, you know, we, we, we're convicted that we should we should obey God rather than man. We, we'll submit ourselves to the government as long as they're in line with what God God wants for us. But as soon as they they command us to disobey God, then we'll, we'll obey God rather. In as safe a manner as possible. We don't want to endanger people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. So that that brings up another question I have, which is, as you've been seeing this growth um, and this return to seeking out the truth of Scripture and um, trusting what God has already revealed about Himself, have you seen any um, obstacles or opposition to that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it comes in the strangest and most unexpected forms. We've had leadership in, in our own church, not, not all of it, but just maybe individuals that would confront us. We've, we've even seen instances of what we can only ascribe to demonic activity, not, not anything uh, really Hollywood-style demonic activity, but uh, just sowing division and, and things like that. So we've definitely felt uh, attacks during this time as we've, we've, as we've tried to align ourselves with scripture and be more intentional about teaching sound doctrine. Hmm. And how has God looked 
to you during that time? How has God supported you in in your work through those oppositions? Yeah, it's it's been tough. I've I've actually had a bout with depression and anxiety and all sorts of stuff since the beginning of this year. And just to just to have people, you know, in Second Corinthians, Paul opens with how God is the God of comfort. And then he says, you know, God comforts us so that we may comfort others. And to see people rally around me and us as a family has been phenomenal. And he's been incredibly encouraging and incredibly supportive and incredibly comforting through the people in his church. Can you think of any specific instances that come to mind of ways that that you have been supported by the church? Well, so I, it was a Thursday night. I was ready for a leadership team meeting and I was busy printing things. And all of a sudden I noticed that I was having a hard time breathing. And then I started hearing strange sounds and realized they were coming from my own mouth. The next thing I knew I was on the floor having a panic attack, trying to phone anyone that I could for help. And eventually people arrived I was taken to the hospital, and as I came out the doors, there were people there waiting for me just to make sure that I was okay. And that was that was phenomenal. You know, you 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 go through these times, and it, it feels like you're so alone, and you're in this all by yourself. And then God opens your eyes to something like that, and it's it's beautiful to see His church rallying around someone like that. And it it was me. You know, I didn't expect it to happen for me. I would you know, try and lead the charge to be around other people, but I didn't expect them to be there for me. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. To see the church coming when you were in need and without judgment or yeah, <laughs> um, condemnation in any way, yeah. um, but just coming to love you and support you and help yeah. you when yeah. you were in need. It was amazing. Wow. That is so cool. So can you think of any, any, favorite moments with God, either from this time or, or before that? So my favorite moments with God are always in the same setting. And it's always preparing when I'm preparing messages for a Sunday, preparing my sermons and just getting to a place. Most This normally happens on a Thursday where I just have no idea where I am or what I'm doing. And what I'm going to say on a Sunday. And not long after that, just experiencing his peace. And I know, I know it'll come. I always know it'll come. And the other times that I, I really experience that are, I have a Sunday morning ritual. I'm up at three o'clock in the morning most of the times, just going through my stuff and spending time with him and just to, to sense him in this is just incredible for me. Those are, those are my favorite times privately, but I also experience God and uh, really good times with him publicly when I'm preaching and just to experience him speaking through me is, is incredible. And it's some of my favorite moments. Um, but yeah, one, one very specific moment with God wasn't, it was in a family setting and we had, we would have family fun nights on a Monday night. 
and this this night I had to I had to I had to play the part of a judge, and I didn't have I didn't have a bathrobe of my own, but my wife does, and so I had this kind of pink bathrobe on, and I was I was the judge. And the, the task was I told told my kids, hey, you've got to you've got to go and do something. There's a there's a task for you waiting in the bedroom. You've got to go do that. If you if you cannot do it uh, within the, this time frame, like two minutes, then you you there's a consequence for that. You can't be on any technology, no screen time for an entire week. If you can do it, then you get to have some custard for dessert. And so I had them go, but the task was impossible. I mean, it was on top of a cupboard somewhere, and they, they couldn't even reach it. There was just no way they could do it. And then got them into the room again, and I said, okay, well, here's the deal. You should have no screen time at all for the next week, and you should obviously not get any custard. But here's what I will do. I will, I will have no screen time this week instead. And then what I'll do is I'll give you my custard and you can have that. And then explain to them the gospel that's pictured in that little activity that we did as a family. And then my, my youngest Lizzie deciding that she wanted to, to accept Jesus and as, as her savior and then having them go, her and her, her and my wife go into the other room to pray together and, just to sense God working in her life. I mean, at that very moment, the spirit of God was moving in that little girl's heart. And that's an incredible thing to think about. Mm. That's exactly what we want to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And something that, you know, God has been so good in this time. I mean, okay, wait, I, I need to, I need to go back because even in this time, I've been, I've been realizing that I had a very skewed view of, of, of seeing God's goodness. You know, typical prayer request is, you know, please pray for Joseph. He's going in for an operation and we pray for the surgeons. And then afterwards, you know, praise God. God is so good. He came out of the surgery successfully. And I started to realize, wait, wait, hold on. If he didn't come out of the surgery successfully, are you saying that God is not good in that circumstance? And trying to 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 get my my head around that, so I, I need to you know go back and say God is good all the time. But one of the ways that we've seen His goodness during this period of COVID is that you know in in the last year these people have been coming to to church, and we've had had a number of people saved in the in the year that we've been in lockdown. We've we've baptized eleven people, um, seven of them this year. We've added 27 people to our membership, which is actually, it, it was an increase of 25%, you know, in the, in the course of a year. So we, we can't lose sight of, of his goodness just because we, we don't see it in the midst of our circumstances and to realize that he's still good in the midst of all of this, which is what this podcast is all about, which is amazing. Hmm. Yeah. I, that's something that I have thought about as I ask people the question, you know, where are you seeing God? It's a, it's a great question. And I think we should be doing it, but it, it does have a little bit of difficulty in it because there's always this sense that we can only talk about what we've seen, but God is doing so many things that we don't see. Yes, exactly. So I, I do think that it honors him to share what we're seeing, mm-hmm. but with, with that acknowledgement, absolutely that there's so many things he's doing and we can't, 
we don't recognize them yet as good. Exactly. Um, he's doing that work in us to help us recognize them as good. Exactly. Has anything surprised you about God? Well, yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I can tell, I can tell you two, two things that have surprised me and they're, they're, they seem to be polar opposites, actually. I remember it, I can't, the year escapes me, but I was, it was still in KZN in Manson Toti. I was sitting in my office and I decided to watch a conference online that was done in one of the churches in the States. It was where the pastor at the time where I was had gone to school. And so I tuned into their, their, um, their conference. And I was watching this, seeing these guys in a very a beautiful church, listening to these very well-educated men. But as I was listening to them and as, as they were sharing their knowledge and on the topic of the conference, I remember just feeling almost angry at what I was hearing. Not so much at, at the, the truths that they were sharing, but the way that they were sharing it. And so I began to look up these, these men and, and what they taught and what they stood for and, you know, railing against what I considered the legalism of their ministries. And that, that lasted for quite a while. And I, I really, I was borderline, you know, hyper grace type of, of feelings and, and reading a whole bunch of stuff in, in those lines. And then I remember being surprised by reading in John chapter 2 where Jesus goes into the temple and he is furious with the sin of the money changers and the people that are running the scam in the temple and turning over tables, putting together whips, driving people out. And I remember also being confronted by his teaching against sin in the, the Sermon on the Mount and really being surprised by God's seriousness when it comes to his law and how seriously he takes him and as a revelation of his character. So then, obviously, now being surprised by that, the pendulum swung the other way and I railed against what I considered easy believism where you just pray a prayer and then go on your merry way and live your life like you want. And then, you know, turning to John 8, where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees who bring this woman in, to him and she's been caught in the act of adultery. And I was confronted and surprised by his grace at that point. And so being surprised by both his, his righteousness and his, his, his justice but also his mercy and his grace. And I think when we keep those two things, we, you know, we, we have to hold them almost in tension, but realize that they're all part of, of, of who God is. You know, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He, was, he wasn't sometimes grace and sometimes truth. He was always all grace and all truth. And that's, that, those two things surprised me, and I, I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised if I just read my Bible. I could have figured that out. But to see it in action and to, to know, that's, that's maybe what I'm, I'm trying to get at is sometimes we, we think that God is like us, where we all experience anger in one moment, joy in the next moment, 
sadness in the next moment. And we go through these emotions kind of one by one. And we think that God's attributes are like that as well, where he's loving now, then he's angry at our sin, and then he's merciful towards us, and then he's loving, and then he's gracious, and he, then he's righteous, and then he's displaying his justice. And we, we compartmentalize God and think that he can only go through one of his attributes at a time. But the surprising thing is that at the same time as he is being merciful towards us, he is also angry at our sin. And it's, it, that, that's, been, that's been a revelation to me. And a, you know, it's been one of the things that has surprised me about God and something that is hard to wrap my mind around. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting with the question, what has surprised you about God? I think often people feel like, well, that shouldn't have surprised me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's obvious in the scriptures once we see it. Yes. But I think it seems that one of the works of the Spirit in our lives is to bring those things to life for us and to let us feel in some moments a little bit of the strength of that and be impressed by it. And then when we get to see that, see those glimpses, then we're surprised mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah. like you said, God is, He is different. Yeah from us. Yeah. So that is, that's really cool to hear your glimpse of, of some of those differences. And I really think that's how God builds our faith. Okay. You say you believe that let's test it. Then it gets tested and that, that just, that produces steadfastness. So it strengthens our faith. Hmm. Yeah. Those are such great great instances that you've shared of seeing God more clearly, of seeing Him at work in your family and in the church, and um, it sounds like in, you know, in the community more generally. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners about, about God? Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was introduced a couple of years ago to, uh, well, he became a friend of mine, a, a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for a long time. And he introduced me to a set of documentaries that showed what the documentary maker was trying to portray as God at work. And so it was a whole bunch of people doing these miraculous works all around the world. And I became obsessed with that. And I, was, I remember watching it and seeing, you know, stuff like people's backs being healed and people saw legs being healed and people being able to walk upright when they hadn't been able to for years. And I was amazed until I started thinking about it and realizing that there was no real life change or transformation happening. There wasn't salvation. There wasn't, it seemed almost actually devoid of God. It seemed almost like just magic tricks. But I was, I was, I was obsessed with that kind of stuff. And then I remember, and I preached on this a couple of weeks ago from first Corinthians 12, 27 to 13, um, probably around about verse eight, where Paul lists a bunch of gifts, you know, apostles and teachers and miracles and various kinds of tongues. And then he goes through, are they all apostles? Do they all speak in tongues and all of that kind of stuff, which is, rhetorical the the answer is no not all of them do that and then he says i want you to desire those gifts i want you to eagerly desire the high gifts and i will show you an even more excellent way and then he gets into you know if you have if you have these gifts to the extreme but you don't have love you're you're nothing you're not serving anybody and then he goes on and he lists the characteristics of love love is patient love is kind it's 
doesn't envy, doesn't boast. And he goes on. And I realized, okay, wait, who, who gives these gifts to the church? Well, in chapter 12, verse 7, it says that the, the Spirit gives the gifts. And then if you have a look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you can take all of those, those fruits, well, that fruit, all the characteristics of that fruit, and plug them into the characteristics of love. And I don't think it's an accident that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I think that those are all aspects of love, and love is kind of the umbrella. So in other words, you have the gifts of the Spirit and you have the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul is saying that I want you, the, the better way, I want, you to, I want you to pursue the gifts, but the better way is to pursue the fruit of the Spirit. And I think what, what I'm seeing in, in our church and, and in many churches, in, in, in the church in general, is God drawing attention to the fruit of the Spirit rather than the gift of the Spirit. And I think that that's, that's, that's where we really see His work, is not in gifted individuals who have uh, the gift of the gab or are able to write books or lead leadership conferences or anything like that. It's people who are having their lives transformed. And it's not, it's not just the people in the spotlight, it's the people in the pews. And that's, that's where we're really seeing God work. And that's, that's, I think, where we should be looking for Him to work. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for sharing that. I think that's exactly what, what we're hoping to hear. <laughs> you know, those stories that we may not otherwise see, that may not be so evident, but that, you know, hearing from you that you are seeing that, that as a pastor, you are seeing that fruit in your church that the Holy Spirit is working, um, that He is drawing people to Himself, that He is causing people to love truth yes. and to seek God Himself and to, to place their hope in Him as opposed to in, you know, some formula uh, for avoiding COVID or yes. um, staying healthy or, um, you know, achieving a better life for yourself. Any of those things that you've mentioned just in this short podcast that we might seek yeah, so that that is really encouraging to hear, especially at a time, you know, I feel even for my own self, even as I am by God's grace pursuing Him and seeking to understand Him better, I, I also feel um, just sort of overwhelmed by the moment that we're in with COVID. And I think it's very easy to try to pursue something else. Yeah. So it's great to hear these stories about God at work in these normal day-to-day, slow-growth kind of ways, as well as in big ways. Thank you so much for sharing with us. This has been so encouraging to me. It's such a privilege to get to to spend a little bit of time just, just talking about God mm. <laughs> and, and hearing what He's doing and how you're seeing Him and how He's near to you and at work in you and in your church. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's been great to, to speak to you as well. And uh, I think that this is a great a great podcast because if we look around and we we tune our our minds to just see the bad because we're listening to many to too many news stories or reading too many newspapers we we fail to see god but if we tune our minds to really have a look and see what he's doing by listening to podcasts like this and 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 realizing that he is at work then we start to see him more and more even in the mundane and even in the tragic and so I think that it's important to to do that. Thank you. Yeah, it says he will he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is is fixed on him. Isaiah twenty six. 
I didn't know where it was from. Yeah, so. <laughs> Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. I just preached a funeral on, on those two verses. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you for helping us today fix Good. our minds on Him. Thank you. Psalm 107, verse 43 says about stories like this, Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on Submit a Story. God is doing things all over in all of His people, and we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at GodSeeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert, and our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. <laughs>